0: Good morning. Good, morning. good morning thanks for being here this morning this is um, second Peter I've given you a couple of handouts um, like I said if you can't teach just hand out paper and um, uh, what you've got there in front of you is, is kind of an overview uh, some of most of that is what we went through uh, last week on second Peter so I thought it might be good to kind of lay that out for you you can um, you can take it home. Read it. You can take it home, throw it away. You can leave it here, and I'll uh, put it in my scrapbook or something like that. But that's for your, your, uh, your use. And then the second handout was kind of just a, a guideline for where, we, for where we hope to go today. Um, I told Hayes when I walked in, I'm real encouraged to teach after that sermon uh, this morning. <laughs> 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 so uh, anyway, so let's, uh, let's begin with prayer and see if we can uh, get into Second Peter. Father, we, uh, we give you thanks for another day of life and uh, we acknowledge that in you we live and move and have our being and apart from you uh, we can do nothing. Uh, we thank you for your grace and your loving kindness and uh, Father, you have said in your word that you've exalted above all things your name and your word and so we ask that during this time together, that would be the case, that your word would be exalted, that your name would be exalted, that your spirit would be present, and um, that by your grace, our lives might be transformed into the image of your Son. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on in, Andy. Good to see you. There's a couple of handouts here. Take those. Uh yeah, I didn't get those. Let me see. There you go right there. Just need a couple. I don't know, if they may have gotten here's some more. Does anybody need another one of those for today? There's two. One says overview or one says Second Peter Precious Faith and the other one says Second Peter chapter one on the top. Didn't mean to create confusion, sorry about that. Um We started last week by saying that when you when you study the the Bible. I'm um, a friend named Fran Chaka who has a little saying that uh, before it was God's word to you, it was God's word to someone else. And so we looked at uh, some of the background and the people. And um, but what I really want to just quickly review is is on C on the on the overview the themes. Um, this idea of remembering, recalling uh, to mind, to remind, to refresh your memory. Uh, uh, That is just an ongoing theme that Peter drives uh, in this book uh, to these people. Uh, The idea of encouragement, uh, and then to warn, to be on your guard, uh, promises, and hope. Um, I said last week that these were Gentile converts uh, who have come to faith in Christ, and um, I think the real key thing that we looked at last week was this vision that Peter had in the book of Acts when he was in a trance and the sheet came down from heaven and in that sheet were all these unclean animals and the voice came and said get up and eat and he said you know I can't I can't do that I would never do that three times he sees the sheet come down and he comes out of his trance and there are these men from Cornelius' house they invite him to come to Cornelius' house Peter begins to preach the gospel to them, and they they come to faith. They speak in tongues, and the conclusion of that um, that story um, is in Acts um, ten, Acts chapter eleven, verse eighteen. There, in the bold, where it says, "And then God, so then God has granted." even the Gentiles, repentance unto faith. And that includes you and I sitting in this room today. That God has granted us repentance unto life. Um, And so with that, kind of just a real quick overview. If you have any questions, you can glance at that and ask them later or whatever. But that's for you. You can look at it. We're all banished. We're all estranged. And by the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ... Jesus brings us back and restores us to God. Um, And so what we have now is chapter 1. I want to read the chapter. It won't take us long. I I, I encouraged you all last week to read the whole book. It's three chapters, 61 verses. It takes you nine minutes to read it. Um, So I would encourage you to do that. Um, But let me read chapter 1, and uh, then we'll start. Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We do not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of men, man, excuse me, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so first. Peter begins to remind them one of the faith they've received in chapter 1. When he says to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith, our ability to believe, our ability even to believe and have faith in Jesus Christ is a gift from God. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. First Peter 1.8. For by grace are you saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it's a gift of God. Okay? And then there's a quote down there by St. Augustine. Faith is believing in what we do not see. And the reward for this kind of faith is to see what we believe. And so, these people have received a faith. The faith to believe in God and Christ. And then he goes on and he begins to remind them of the promises of the gospel. Now, a promise is a, a promise favor or a blessing, kind of as I outlined it there. Um, and the promises are the, of the gospel from 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 3, is that in his great mercy, he's given us new birth. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation; the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So that's that's one of the pro- promises of the of the gospel. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. First Peter one nine. Another promise of the gospel, but you are a chosen people, a royal peace, priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God and Paul says in Ephesians that the Gentiles at one time were not a people and they were without God and they were without hope in the world and the promise of the gospel is that through faith in Jesus Christ we are now a people and we have God as our, as our God and Jesus as our Savior um, and by faith we are all sons of God, uh, as it says there in Galatians three twenty six. But um, this the scripture here in it um, the scripture foresaw. I'm reading still again that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham, that all nations would be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with the man of faith, Abraham. And then again, Paul says in Ephesians, this mystery is that through the gospel, the, Gentile are, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promises in Jesus Christ. And y'all, that's the promises of the gospel give us an identity, who we are. We are now the people of God. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And that's our identity. That's who we are. And God's promise to Abraham was that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. Um, And I think that's going to tie in here in a little bit to where we're going. but. We, we need to understand as Gentiles, we, at one point we were in this world without God and without hope. And because of the gospel, we now have an identity. We are the people of God. Okay. Um, then he goes on and he talks about this participation in the divine nature. Because of these promises, because of these promises of the gospel, we participate in the divine nature. Um, and I talked a little bit about this last week, but the idea there is, and in the, in the verb to participate is to become, which is that we become a sharer. We become a partner in the very nature of God uh, so that through the promises of the gospel, we now enjoy and, and are partners with Christ in his nature, and we escape the corruption of the world. And I and I I didn't do a very good job of this last week, and I wanted to go back to it, and I'm sorry you don't have Bibles. If you have a Bible, I really would like you to turn to... Um, there's some back there, Andy. And you can read this on your own. This is from the, the book of Zechariah. And it's an incredible... It's really an incredible picture of... Um, of what God has, has done uh, through Christ. It's this, it's this picture. Zechariah sees this. He was shown Joshua, who was the high priest. And Joshua is standing before the angel of the Lord. And then there's Satan at his right side. This is chapter 3. <clears throat> and the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? That's who we are. We're just... We're sticks... In the fire and um, and then he says now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes which is an amazing thing because he was the high priest and if you know about the high priest and all the efforts that he made before he went into the Holy of Holies was all about cleanliness and he says there he is he's standing he's dressed in filthy clothes then he said to Joshua excuse me he says then he said um, Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes, he stood before the angel. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. Then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The picture there is, as we stand before God, we are dressed in filthy clothes. All the effort we want to make to, to make ourselves look good is just doesn't work, or, or to be righteous before God. And so we too are dressed in filthy clothes, and until until God forgives us our sin and takes off those filthy clothes, we we're not clean in His sight. Um, and then look at verse eight, if you've got it in front of you, chapter three. Listen, O High Priest Joshua, and you associ- and your associates seated before you who are men symbolic of things to come, I'm going to bring my servant the branch. See the stone I've set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on that one stone, and I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin of this land in a single day by Jesus dying on the cross. I mean, it's a picture of forgiveness um, through Christ's death on the cross uh and so it's very visual, I think. it's a very visual image that's there before us, and so you can read that on your own, uh, maybe meditate on it some more um, isaiah sixty one ten it's on your sheet. It says, I delight greatly in the Lord, my soul rejoices in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness' and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness. Uh, A quote there from uh, Munce's complete expository dictionary, the glory and divine nature of Jesus Christ is made common ground for the community of faith. So we share through the gospel. We share in the divine nature of Christ. All right. So he reminds them of all these things. And then he, then he begins in um, verse 5 to encourage them. Let me get back to 2 Peter so I know where I am here. <clears throat> and he begins in verse 5 to encourage them. And he says this. And I know this is going to create a little little tension here. Anytime we begin to hear these words, add to your faith. Um so I just want to be real clear that we're, we're saved by grace here. We're not saved by works or anything that we do. But that being said, Peter goes on and he says to them, For this very reason, because of all these promises that God has made through the gospel, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And then he goes down and he lists all these qualities. And... Um, you know, these these recipients of this letter, in the first letter, he called them babes in Christ. He said, You are babes in Christ, so I want you to desire the sincere sin, miracle of the word that you may grow thereby. In this letter, he says um, that they are firmly established in the truth that they have. So there has been a growth in their lives. Okay? But nonetheless, he still says to them and encourages them. To be diligent to add to their faith. Now, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna go through every one of these these qualities of the, I call them the qualities of the divine nature. Um, But my 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 contention is this, that if that if we are shares of the divine nature, then these are the things that through that God has has through His Spirit put within our in our lives and these are the, the qualities that that should should flow from who we are as Christians does that make sense as if we we're, we're just a conduit you know what a conduit is it's just a metal tube in which in my business they they run wires through it and you know but it's a, it's a it's a pathway in which something can be passed through and you know that's who we want to be as Christians. A conduit for, through which you know, the Spirit of God can, can live in us and through us. Um, and, and I also want to just throw this out there for, for you to consider. Because as I thought about these qualities in terms of you know, what do they look like? What do they look like? I spent some time recently just reading through the book of Ruth a number of times and studying that book. But I would encourage you, if you have time, read the book of Ruth. Look at the life of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. And I, and I, I, I promise you, I, I really do think you will see these qualities in their lives. You'll see this, this goodness, for instance, Boaz, the, the courage and strength. To, 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 to live according to the word of God during a time when everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. Um, you'll see perseverance, that patient endurance by Naomi, who lost it all. Husband, two sons. She had nothing. She was destitute. But yet she persevered, and she endured, and at the end of Ruth, you know, she holds in her hand this little baby, who is an heir to, I mean, who is the in the line of King David, who we know was then in line for Jesus in the in the in the life of Jesus. So, and then, um, you know, Boaz again, this brotherly kindness, this this, you know, just this love for his brothers, the kindness that he showed Ruth and and so forth. So. those are qualities and characteristics I think that Peter is exhorting us to manifest in our lives because that's what the divine nature part of what the divine nature looks like and the last two uh, brotherly kindness and love obviously have to do with community have to do with people and how we love one another and other people so he says for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Now, again, I want to be careful here because I know that I don't possess all those qualities. I don't manifest all those qualities every day of my life. And, um, And that's why there's repentance. And that's why we should preach the gospel to ourselves every day. You know the gospel isn't just a message for those who are unsaved. It's a message for us that we need to, to, to preach to ourselves every day. Um, but let me let me refer you to Titus two eleven and twelve because I think it ties in with this idea of of grace and living by grace. In Titus two eleven Titus two eleven through fourteen says this: For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people who are his very own. Okay. Now, there's a warning in verse 9 about this where he says, if, if you don't, but if anyone does not have them, these, these qualities, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sin. And I, get, I ran across this little definition of nearsightedness, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Nearsightedness is when light entering the eye is focused incorrectly, making distant objects appear, appear blurred. If you are nearsighted, you have trouble seeing things that are far away. As a Christian, what is it that we need to be looking far away for? Anybody? Well, I was just thinking this week about, I, I, don't, I guess I was listening to the radio and um, just and, and people you're in contact with sometimes they're uh they are very aware of heaven and you know its eminence and when and their death and going to heaven. I, I fit and that just I hit me. I thought, you know, I really don't think about that much. I'm not looking off in advance, I'm just looking at what's going on today. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just, that, just mm-hmm. that sense of being an alien here, mm-hmm. not being so comfortable here. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have it uh, I have short sightings mine says short sightings yeah okay yeah yeah that's true of all I mean we get so kind of involved in life that we lose we lose sight we can't focus out there in the future to the fact that that Jesus is going to come back um, and he says they're blind or you're blind which is you're in the dark are you forgotten that your sins are forgiven. Um, which I think that's kind of interesting. You know, if you you lose sight of the fact that your sins are forgiven, that's why I think we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. You know? Um, so if you're nearsighted, you're blind, or you've forgotten that your sins are forgiven, then um, these qualities may not be a part of your life. And I, I was talking to my wife about this, and I said, you know, I just really was convicted by this nearsighted thing. Uh, just, that, like you said, Carrie, just focusing on the fact that, that Jesus will return. Okay? Um, and then verse 10. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. So he encourages them to make their calling and election sure. And the word, therefore, is making the connection between everything he's talked about previously. The faith we receive, the promises of the gospel, adding to our faith, and then because of these things, make your calling and election sure. So he's definitely making the connection between... Faith and practice. Very clear. And this is consistent in these letters, i.e., uh, Paul and Ephesians. You know, the first three chapters are all truth. And then four, five, and six are predominantly how you live in, in response to that truth. Um, um, there's a little quote there I want to read. Therefore, the word therefore is a conjunction which leads us on and points us to the life we are to live in light of the truth being considered. That's from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Therefore is a conjunction which leads us on and points us to the life we are to live in light of the truth being considered. So two things about, well, what what does this mean to make your calling and election sure? Yes, when you got up this morning, you started to get ready for church, and you started to get dressed. What did you kind of make sure was was right about your clothing that you were putting on? What, what did you What did you want to make sure? Want to yeah, you wanted to look good. Okay, but I mean, you, you didn't wear you didn't wear yellow pants with a red jacket, right? Yeah, you didn't. So you, you you want you clothed yourself in such a way that it you know like I got a white shirt and blue and you know it all it all goes together I hope anyway now Hayes you know Kerry lays his clothing out so <laughs> he didn't have a problem and so that's 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 kind of the idea here about making your calling and election sure. We've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We've been arrayed in a robe of righteousness. So if that's true, then can we just go out and live any way we want to live and behave and act and just, who cares? Um, And the second thing is this idea of scales, you know, the old-fashioned scales. So you take the truth of the gospel and you put it in one of the... And it, it does this. The truth just weighs it down. And so the idea of making your calling and election sure is bringing your life into balance with the truth. Okay? And that's the idea here of making your calling and election sure. Um. So, you know, we are chosen and called to declare his praises, which is worship. You know, we have our identity in Christ because of the promises of the gospel. That's who we are. And that that and that and that gospel also allows us to worship God. We are chosen and called to declare his praises. That's part of our of our calling. Um, is to worship God and then, and then thirdly is to live such good lives that the unbelievers will glorify God on the day he visits 1 Peter 2.12 and that's our purpose so the gospel and the, and, the, and the narrative of the gospel and the narrative of all of scripture really is this great redemption that God has, has accomplished through his son Jesus Christ And now we are brought in and we are made the people of God. And that's our identity. And our purpose is to worship Him and to live lives so that other people would come to Christ. Um, I copied the the words to the, uh, the general thanksgiving out of the book of Common Prayer. It's it's down at the bottom of that of page two, and I'm just going to read. It. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful, and that we show forth thy praise not only with our lips, worship, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service and by walking before Thee in holiness and righteousness all our days. Okay? And then I have a, a quote there um, from Martin Luther. If you are a sincere believer, then you have all God's treasures and are His child. And the rest of your life on earth is merely a pilgrimage. God allows you to live in this body and walk on this earth so that you can help other people and bring them to heaven. I am out of time. It's amazing how fast 40 minutes goes. And I'm not used to the speed of the game yet, so I apologize for that. But he closes up, after this, he talks about, so I will always remind you of these things. I will always remind you of these things. And when I'm dead and when I'm gone, in some way, shape, or form, I want you to remember these things. That's what Peter says after this. Um, Let me close in prayer. We're done. Sorry. Father, thank you. Uh, for the grace that you extend to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we are your people. Uh, We ask for the same grace to live and walk in this world in a manner that is pleasing and honoring to you and that your divine nature that you have put in us would be lived out to this world. Thank you for the privilege of being your children. May you use us uh, in this world to promote your kingdom for your glory, and for your honor. Amen. Amen. Have a good day.